Hey, Token CEO listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Listen up, we've got some tea and you all are going to be obsessed. We spoke with the Abercrombie team and they told us that they were gonna launch a wedding shop. Well, we lost it because as you know, we are both getting ready to get Abercrombie and hitched. The whole vibe of Abercrombie these days is clothes you'd wear for a perfect long weekend and all their customers were like, hey, we spend long weekends traveling for weddings these days and then Abercrombie was like, we love that. Let us just give you everything you could ever possibly want and love to wear for all things wedding. So they did. It has everything. Tons of dresses, jumpsuits, pants, swimsuits, pajamas, pantsuits, and all perfectly curated for different events, bachelorettes, brunches, showers, ceremonies as a guest and ceremonies as a bride, reception, and even honeymoon. It is incredible. Check out the Abercrombie Wedding Shop on abercrombie.com. Go shop it now. People trust our voice, and when our talent, male or female, endorses something, our fans buy that. And that is the reason that we move your product. It is Thursday, September 15th. Last night was our upfront. We had it at Webster Hall. Big night for us. It's our biggest B2B, which means our business to business. It's our biggest business to business night of the year. Today we have this episode. We have Matt Berger. Matt Berger is our new head of sales. He joins us today. Uh, we also do Q&A. We're going to talk a little bit about presentation skills and what it takes to give a great presentation. Uh, we'll do closing thoughts. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the announcements we had coming out last night for Barstool. Um, and that, that'll do us. That's about it for today. Listen up. We've got some tea and you all are going to be obsessed. We spoke with the Abercrombie team and they told us that they were going to launch a wedding shop. Well, we lost it because as you know, we are both getting ready to get Abercrombie and hitched. The whole vibe of Abercrombie these days is clothes you'd wear for a perfect long weekend and all their customers were like, hey, we spend long weekends traveling for weddings these days. And then Abercrombie was like, we love that. Let us just give you everything you could ever possibly want and love to wear for all things wedding. So they did. It has everything. Tons of dresses, jumpsuits, pants, swimsuits, pajamas, pantsuits, and all perfectly curated for different events, bachelorettes, brunches, showers, ceremonies as a guest and ceremonies as a bride, reception, and even honeymoon. It is incredible. Check out the Abercrombie Wedding Shop on abercrombie.com. Go shop it now. All right. So let's just talk about our upfront. So um, I think in most every business, some businesses it manifests as a trade show, other businesses this happens as an upfront or in the internet, we used to call it the new front. We started the new front. Digitas actually is an ad agency I worked at. They started the, the new front way, way, way back in the day to get advertisers to trust online video, which just shows you the dark ages of the internet that I come from. But What's really amazing about an upfront is that it just gives, you know, it used to give big television networks. So whether they were cable networks or broadcast networks, and now it gives a bunch of internet companies, YouTube, Facebook, people like us, it gives the opportunity to showcase everything a company is capable of, all their new programming, all their personalities, what the company stands for, what their brand is like, and most importantly, 
why advertisers should trust their brand with our brand. So uh, last night was our upfront. It's a huge undertaking. We have an awesome team that worked on it. So shout out to Rob Langevin and Tom Boland and Kate and all of the editors and the sizzle reel people and the marketing people. Everyone did an awesome job in pulling it off. Um, so I'm just hugely proud and, and honestly, just really, really grateful. Um, the upfront's important to us because we're making a big pitch for ad dollars in the months and the years to come. That's important for a couple reasons. One is we want to give our best partners the best inventory on Barstool Sports. Two, we want to showcase the depth and the breadth of our content and our opportunities. And three, we want to to really showcase how deeply creative and innovative Barstool can be. So I'm super proud um, and just kind of in awe of just everyone on this team and the things that they can create. The reason this is important for us is we're going into the 20th year of Barstool Sports. Uh, I think there are really very few publishers left. Like when I, you know, in the early 2000s or in you know, even the teens, you would see a lot of publishers. There was Huffington Post. There were all sorts of blogs. There were all sorts of brands. And really, most publishers have gone by the wayside. One, their lunch was eaten by Facebook and Google. All the ad dollars went to Facebook and Google, and it was hard for publishers to stay independent and or make money. And then the second thing is that one of the biggest disappointments, I think, in media is how very little media has innovated. I think one of the hardest things is when you make all of your money from cable subscribers or you make all of your money from network contracts or really doesn't matter if you make all of your money uh, and it's a lot of money, it's very from one source, it's very hard to change and evolve your business. And that's one of the biggest things that I think sets Barstool Sports apart is we never had any money. So we weren't afraid to try a whole bunch of new things and a whole bunch of different ways to grow audience. We always trusted finding the audience first and making money second, which didn't hamper our growth on new platforms. And that is what has, you know, catapulted us really from a company that had, you know, five million, you know, five million monthly uniques on a blog to to over a hundred million followers on every single platform imaginable. So I'm excited about that. I think when you think about the advertising business, advertisers are really looking for two things. They're looking for reach. So they want to have people aware of their product. People used to buy television to get reach. I think the internet is the biggest, you know, most broad, most unfathomable, fathomable reach vehicle possible. So advertisers wanted reach or they wanted conversion. They want people to put in code token for 20% off a Robeck Polo. Um, we give advertisers the chance to do both. Berger and I talk about this in our interview in just a second. Um, but the reason that's important is as we walk into a recession or as we see the uncertainty in the ad market, advertisers are really having to make tough choices about where to put their dollars. The dollars that create conversation and awareness are super important as well as the dollars that get people to purchase your product. And so the theme for our upfront was we move product because that's exactly what we do. We move our product, which is our brands, our personalities, and our content, and we move our partner's products. So that's Chevy trucks, that's dude wipes, that's Robeck, 
that's Verizon, that's Mattress Firm, that's all different types of brands who work with us to one, make sure their product is top of mind and two, to make sure that people buy it. And I would argue that there is no company that does that the way we do it. All right. So on that note, let's hand it to Matt Berger. So what I really have appreciated about Matt Berger coming to Barstool is just how much energy he's brought to the table and how much focus and positivity, you know, he, he's really been a huge breath of fresh air for us. One, he's just the consummate seller, which I appreciate. I think one thing when you, it, it, it's hard when you've been at a job for a long time where people start to get kind of itchy or kind of bored and they want something different than their core job. What's been so unbelievably refreshing about Burger is he wants to go talk to customers. He wants to go see people. He wants to sell our product. He wants to hit the number. He wants to see people put their brands with Barstool Sports and for that to work. And it's just been really clear. It's been very... um it's earnest in a way. I think the way he's really rallied our sales team is incredible. I think his focus is very simple. Um, so I, I, it, hiring Berger really reminded me of the difference that one person can make and the impact that one person can have, especially when you know your job, you know how to do it, you know how to inspire other people to follow you, and you have clarity and excitement and enthusiasm for that job, not for the next job or the adjacent job to your job. What I really love about Berger, he's clearly in his wheelhouse spot. And I think that's great for him to have visibility. And I think it's great for us to have a leader with that type of focus and positivity um, and energy. And I think it's been great for us. I think it's been great for our sales team. I hope it's been great for our partners. And if it hasn't yet, I think it will be. So without further ado, that was a huge preamble. Um, we'll bring it to Matt Berger. All right, Matt Berger. All right, let's do this. Give people the Matt Berger pitch. What do you, what do you want to Who know? is Matt Berger? Who is Matt Berger? Uh, Jersey Shore guy. Okay. We laughed because like I went to the same high school as Situation. Oh, you here, did? Who was here last week. Okay. And so like, Are you the only... same age as a Situation? No, I'm uh, two years younger than a Situation. <laughs> not to make you feel. I'm so old. Not, okay. All right. Same high school as a Situation. Same high school as a Situation. Um, that's like my opening line in sales meetings. So I'm like, where are you from? Where are you this? Oh, so re- that's I'm your like, icebreaker? I'm, Jer- I'm from Jersey Shore. Like everyone's like, where Jersey Shore? I'm like, same town as the situation. Okay. And um, that gets a chuckle out of the. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it gets it gets chuckle out of people, but like, I, I own Jersey. I own like being from Jersey. Okay, right? yeah. I, You're I like, like most Jersey people are like that. Yeah, totally. It's like you have pride, in Boston. It's like you have yeah. pride. Once you're from, people from Boston love being from Boston. Yeah. I love being from. Jersey, okay, great. Right? Went to Cuse. Uh, spent four great years in Cuse, national championship. Nobody cares. Keep going. No one yep. cares. Um, <laughs> How did you get into sales? Started in Cuse, owned, started my own company. Okay. Discount card, the bars and restaurants. Okay. In Syracuse. Okay. And then got all the fraternities on board to sell it. Okay. And then at the time, I was hiring manager for Abercrombie and Hollister and got okay. them to sell it. Okay. And then I wound up selling the business and coming to New York. Okay, that's pretty and cool. I sold um, TVs and elevators, Captivate. And like, oh, you were a Captivate off- sales guy. I was guy. a Captivate sales I guy. I remember when Captivate so sold- came to me, it was a big deal. Yeah, it was a huge deal. Yeah. Sold TVs and elevators. And then I'm, I'm like, you know what? Like, I got to go big. I got to like think big. Okay. So work like work at a big company. Went to the mousetrap. Okay. Worked at Disney um, for 
three years. Okay. And then you talked about this previously. Like you always need that one person in life who navigates your career for you. Yep. And helps you. I had this guy's name, John Diamond. Like okay. he's now CRO of Turner Sports. Okay. And he was like, he helped shape my entire career. John Diamond was your guy. He was my guy. Like okay. he's still my still guy. Still your guy? He's my guy. Um, I met with him. He's like, Matt, like get out of like the- Elevator sales. He was in, and he was in like TV. He's like, Matt, TV's not where it's at. He's like, go to digital. Okay. He's like, this is when digital is like booming. Right? Yep. So I wound up at IAC- and I was at College Humor. Yep. So I started at College Humor. That's like sold a lot there. And then got into management. I'm like, I love managing people. Yep. Like my goal at College Humor when I finally took over the team was like, how do you make College Humor brand safe? Okay. Right. Oh, this boy, is like this Matt is like Burger brand safe. Matt Burger brand safe. It's like okay. Thirteen year, thirteen years ago, like College yep. Humor was not brand safe. Completely. Right. Yeah. Like the Unilever's like, oh, I'm so scared to get yep. to, to this. Right. Now it's like, you know. We were able to tell a story and craft a narrative of yep. like how do you create brand safety for someone, and then yep. we were able to get Coca Cola, like all the big boys, big blue chip, big blue chip yep. brands on board. Okay, I love right? it. Right, which was like which is huge. So okay, like, stop right there. Yeah. So in your career, like what I love about you is like I think you're just a great consummate salesperson. I love that. I talk about you at home all, all the time. And I I'm like, that. you know what? Matt Berger's like, I got a suite for the Jets to entertain clients. And I'm like, you're never going to fucking see me at the Jets. But you love it. Like, you love, love to it. sell to people. You like people. You like people managing person. people. So what are the biggest things you learned? What are the, like, what do you think makes a great salesperson? And what, it, like, what are the things you hold dear? Best, you see, you keep saying selling. I think the best, like, attribute you can have as a seller is being able to listen. Yep. Like if you like, yep. I can sell you all day long, whatever you want. Yeah. But if I don't know what your challenge is. Yeah. It's useless. Like, how do I know what I, how do I know what to sure. sell you? Right. Yep. So like I need to figure out like how to get what I need from you in yep. order to then give you something you want. Yep. And, like that's the key to sales. Okay. Right? And that's what like the people upstairs and, and on my team like have to be able to do. A, we have to get out with clients. B, we have to listen to what our clients needs are. And see how do we come up with something like that's amazing because we know we're going to work and move product. Yep. How do we come up with what that solution actually looks like in order to move that product? Okay, great. So you go to college, you work at Disney, then you go to College Humor, yep. then you go to Bleacher. Yep. Crushing it. Everyone loves you. Awesome. You wrote us in when? 2016? 2017? When I left College Humor, I yeah. was going to go work at Whistle Sports. Okay. And at the time, I knew... Was Deirdre at Deirdre, Whistle Sports Deirdre at had time? just okay. left Whistle to come here. And I knew that, like, she, she, and then Ian Schaefer knew you, who's yeah. of both of ours, introduced me to you. Yes, you introduced I remember me to this. Deirdre. I almost came here, like, because yeah. we were trying to find a role here that worked. Yep. At the same time, Bleacher Report was like in the mix as well. I had a friend over there and I started talking to them. And when you're like, look, there was, we want you, but there's not, we don't have like, for you right not now. like we're not big enough where we need like a, a someone right underneath yep. Bleacher. And so I wound up at, at, uh, at Bleacher Report where I ran House of Highlights on yep. the sales side, which was such an amazing experience in itself. But then the funny part was, I, I, I remember to this day, this was like back in April or May when Deirdre had the article came out that Deirdre's the CEO. Uh -huh. My wet, one of our West Coast VPs um, emailed me or texted me, like we were on like this huge management call. He's like, do you see this? Yeah, yeah. And it was like, it was Deirdre, the news that Deirdre was leaving. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, this is it. Like, this is my, <laughs> I, I was like, Parker. I was like, this is my time. Like, this is it. Right. So I go right to my computer. I go, it's Eric and RD's email address. I email Eric Nardini. Literally, I email her. Yep. Right? 
I don't get a response from Erica Nardini. <laughs> crushing to my soul. I'm, I'm like, sorry. I, I'm like, I met Erica three or four years yep. ago. Like, she's going to write me back. I'm telling myself all this. <laughs> and then, like, I don't get I don't okay, get I'm it. I'm sorry, Burger. But, you know, you're in sales. Like, the old saying is totally true. Like, your network is your net worth. Yeah. Right? And so, like, your network is how you make money. But, like, that's how you get jobs. Yeah. So, like, I had known Deirdre. Yeah. So, I reached out to Deirdre. I'm like, congratulations. I want to hear more. Like, how can I help you? Like, I was like, sounded cool. I might even, like, want to potentially, like, work yeah. with you. And yada, yada, yada. And she was like, I think you'd actually do really good at Barstool. She's like, do you want me to, like, put you in the queue there and, like, get you to yeah. find line? I'm like, that would be amazing because Erica doesn't write me back. Um, <laughs> and then... Literally, I came in and I was just like blown away with like all of the yeah, people here. It. And yeah. uh, look, I think the product the product sells itself, but it's a, it's a very unique sell. Yeah, right? where like this is not a Bleacher Report with IP rights and things like that. Like your rights are your 110 personalities yeah. that we have here yeah. with the you know 80 something you know yep. products that we have. Right, like that's that's why people love Barstool. Right, is like we have this relationship with our consumers in yeah, which, that nobody has that nobody has right yep. like you can literally go tell a consumer to do something yeah and they will do it yeah. and that is single-handedly probably in my opinion the most like important thing in advertising yeah yep right That's because right. like we're heading into potentially like who knows where we're going right now with like a recession yep. looming yep. and things like that but like you look at where barstool is top of funnel bottom of funnel right you go to an advertisement like look we know you're cutting back on funds like from spending yep. next year and things like that. Like, how about you give money to a to a publisher or yeah. a brand that actually understands that we're very big at brand awareness, yep. top, top of funnel, and at the bottom of funnel, we can actually move your product. Yeah, we can convert. We you. can actually convert that brand awareness in which name one other brand that can actually do that. Completely. And I feel bad coming from you know a big brand of Bleacher Report, but you know what? Bleacher Report was not a brand that could actually move that product. And well, it's I, also like totally great. Like the internet eats the middleman, right? Like, so you've got to be great at top of funnel and yeah. you've got to convert. Anything in the middle, like I think Bleacher's a little bit in the middle yeah. being the shithead about it. But like, I think most publishers are in the middle, which is the problem. Right. Facebook is good at bottom of the funnel. TV has historically been great at top of funnel. We're trying to do both. 100%. And when you look at like, nothing tells me more, like it's such a clear indicator in merch. Yeah. Right. It's like when you look at the industry at large, I think like I think overtime does a really good job yep. with merch. Like you like I go on spring break and, yep. and see kids wearing overtime yep. shirts. Like I never really saw that with bleacher. That wasn't like a priority yeah. for their business, but like you come here, it's like That's unavoidable. Yeah. Like it's everywhere you go, you start to see and it and it becomes almost like a fraternity or sorority, yeah. right? It's like you're wearing chicks in the office merch and like, you know, you're, yeah, you're like the hat. hat tip yeah. to the person next yeah. to you. Like I stop people in malls. I literally yeah. stop people everywhere. People stop me because all I have, I told my wife, I'm like, we're cleaning out the closets. We're literally just going with, with, uh, with, with merch uh, from Barstool and, and we're moving for like, and literally it's like my whole closet. Okay. So speaking of, so Bert, the, one of the things I like about you is you have like some old school, old school sales guy rants. So like, give me, give a couple of your rants. Like the other day came into work and you're on a rant about shorts. So like give people the, give people the shorts. I came in my first week, which was like a month ago at this time. Yeah. It's about two years ago. Literally. It feels like two years ago, but it was a month. And I'm like seeing people. I'm like, whoa, what, what's going on here? We got tons of people wearing shorts, t-shirts, flip-flops. Salespeople. Salespeople. I look, I was like, all right. My head literally felt like I had congestion, like out my, you know, like literally it it blew up. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Like, 
salespeople wearing shorts, like, what if they have a meeting? At least show your meeting. That you, show your boss that you potentially have a meeting. Like, don't wear shorts. <laughs> so Burger is basically like, if salespeople are wearing shorts, you don't have a fucking meeting. It was, like, there, nothing says I don't have any clients to talk to than a salesperson no, wearing shorts. I thought that was good advice. I was like, that's a good tells me or you. Like, and I call them all in the room and, like, my, like, orientation. I had this, like, huge speech out out, out the goat. I've been writing for a month. Like, yep. ever since I found that I, I got the job, I'm like, here's how I'm going to come in. Like, and then like, I completely like changed the speech like day two. Cause I see all these people wearing shorts. I'm like, this has got to make the speech. Like, you know, expectations <laughs> moving forward and like, forget the inspiration. Yeah, forget the Just inspiration. dress like let's, you're going to talk to a customer. Dress like you're capable of talking to a customer is okay. like the speech, right? It's like, it is. Oh. so I came in and I was like, look, here's the expectations. Like, I'm not a micromanager at all. It's just like I let people do what they do and I just want to help. Like my biggest skill set is like getting people in the door with people because yep. like of my network, right? Yep. And like, you know, I learned so much at Bleacher with the people I had at House of Highlights. So many great people that taught me so much about running an actual business. Yeah. But also at the same time, it's like now that I have my business sense about me, it's like, all right, let's actually sell shit. Yeah, right? that's and like, right. That's why I came here because I finally felt ready to actually, and you accepted me yeah. here, which was great, uh, to take on this responsibility. And it's a huge responsibility with the weight of 110 talents downstairs yeah. all asking like, sell my Where's show, my why, is my, yeah. Yeah, why isn't my show selling or something yeah. like that? And I embrace it head on. Okay, so then flash forward to the blazer. So yeah. Burger shows up today wearing a blazer and everybody, including me, is like, wow, Burger, you're wearing a blazer today. I share, I, like, I showed up week one wearing a blazer, like, every day. And okay. then there were, like, bets on, like, was, was I going to wear a blazer? It was 100 degrees outside. And, like, of course, like, you wear a blazer. You set. Sales guys like, wear if blazers. Like, if I wear shorts, like, the first day, then everyone's wearing shorts okay. at that point on. Like, you think our so, sales team owns blazers? No. Yeah. Maybe. Same. Maybe. Maybe. If you, what percentage of our sales team do you think owns a blazer? I think all the girls do. I think all the women do. I think the women do. I do. Um, I'm giving like 32% of the guys. I'm thinking it's more for like weddings and funerals, why they actually own nice things okay. versus work. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I think we should definitely do a spiff. Like we do spiffs, obviously, to Explain what a spiff is. A spiff is if like if we really want to sell something that like for for said product, then we put what's called a spiff in place that says if you sell this, you, you get, get an extra $2,500 kicker. extra yeah. or Five hundred dollars extra, whatever it could be. It's just oh, we're gonna have a blazer spiff. We're gonna have. I found a guy. It was literally in the most burger store. Was on a plane to Miami for Super Bowl. Guy sitting next to me, fashion designer for all these NFL players. We become really good friends. Like I go, you will talk to anyone. I I legitimately, I feel like legitimately. I was sitting. We got friends. He's like a a fashion guy for like all NFL players, suits and everything. We start talking pretty upfront. I'm like, I need a suit. He goes, I got you. He did my suit for the upfront. Does it have something fun on it or is oh, it it's conservative? Have inside of it. I'll show you. It's going to be. Oh, uh, that's so fun, Burger. Yeah. Oh, Great I'm, I'm, job. So, I love this. So this will be. You're I, right. People don't dress for work. People don't dress for work. That's too bad. So you. We're so gonna then have did you like clock? Okay. So keep going. We're going to have a spiff in place and he does women's and he does men's. Like, look, let's put a spiff. And there's nothing like getting measured for like, when I put the suit on, like I'm a big guy, it doesn't, suits don't necessarily fit me off the rack, yeah. like where they should. So like when he measured like 80 different measurements, I put on the suit, it literally was like, you're like, this feel was, like a million bucks. This was made for my body. Like, oh, was, I love that. It was amazing. And like, if salespeople upstairs actually had that feeling of like the same feeling that I had when I put that suit on, I was like, wow. 
Like yeah, I want to go. I want to go meet the CMO and PG. Yeah. And like in this suit and and literally pitch them something because if I feel like a million bucks. I'm going to talk like... Yeah, uh, I'm all about this. What are other things, the simple things like that, like that you hold true? Like my thing is, if you're a salesperson, you got to start the meeting on time. The presentation has to be preloaded. I don't want to see your fucking kids on the computer. Like I just want the presentation up and loaded. You have to be able to work the tech. You have to have a notebook and a pen. Yep. What are your things like that? I have pet peeves like that. Like okay, you're 100 you right. It's like them? just come, just literally come, come with your everything prepared, like you said. Um, but get to the point. Like get like like I teach I teach them upstairs, which my old boss taught me. Like get to the fucking no is like with a client. It's like, yeah, I the like faster that. you get yeah. to a no, the faster get you can to a get no to a yes somewhere yeah. else. But like. Get to the point. Like, what yeah. are you? What are you trying to do? Like, small yeah. talk's great for a first minute, but like, I've been in meetings where you have a half hour and like twenty two minutes of small talk of like yeah. your kids and family. I hate it's small like, talk. all right, you get in there. You can. Hey, how was your weekend? Great. Here's why I'm here to talk. To yeah. You today, right. What's your like? For me, it's all about preparation. It's like what before you get in the room. How are you preparing for being in the room? Like when I came to you and interview with you for the second time. Yeah, you were which, prepped. In which you probably, you forgot the first time. That's, no. Maybe you forgot. The first <laughs> no, time. I didn't. I remembered. Oh, you remember. Right, so, um, when I came with you the second time, like I knew what kind of coffee you liked. I knew like all the things that had been said on token yeah. about you. And I've always been a personal fan of yours. But like, so I've known more about you than I would the average person. But I knew enough to come in and like actually show that you that I yeah, cared that's true. about who you were personally and your achievements that you've had here at Barstool. But more importantly, you showed that you knew about the business. Like we move product yep. is our theme for the upfront. Our upfront is was la- our upfront was last night. Um, that's you said that like you captured that well. It was so interesting when we were interviewing for your role. It was you and we had this other candidate, and the other candidate's attitude was like, "Hey, yeah, like, yeah, sure, I could do that job. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah sure, I could sell that." But it was almost, it was casual, and the person almost seemed more enamored of the situation at their current company versus like yeah. excited and leaning forward about the opportunity at this company. I think you did that. I think that's contagious. Yeah, and look. I loved where I came from. I could have stayed there forever. Yeah. The people at House of Highlights, Omar, we talked yeah. about that. Doug, like all those Good people, people. Are amazing people. Like yeah. family. Yeah. Like that's the first thing. I use some of those lines that I learned at House of Highlights. Like you don't, you literally don't have to love, every, you don't have to like everybody, but you literally have to love, you have to root for everyone yeah. in a room. Right? Yeah. Like that was the first thing I said. Yeah. And I rallied the troops. I'm like, look, everyone here might not like each other, but you have to root for one another. Yeah. You have to open a door. For one another, you have to do the things that, like, to share and care that you're an actual family. Yeah, we're a family here. No matter who it is, no matter what anybody says, no matter what anybody says, for better or worse, when things go wrong, we're a family. Yeah, right, and it's important. I learn a lot. I learn a lot of that. Like, you know, that's great. So I brought that here. What uh, What were your biggest observations? What surprised? Sorry, what surprised you coming into Varsal? What surprised me is how many fucking big deals we've had here. Like the funnel here, and like yeah. the the amount, the fact that you're eight, where Barcelona's able to do an upfront. Like, yeah, I, I came from worlds like, but you never did an upfront. Yeah, but you never did those things, mm. right? And like here, it's a, like, and we were part of upfronts in sure. Italy just because of the linear side. Sure, but like there wasn't a special. I knew yeah. how to run an upfront just from yeah. being there, but like the the reality was like they didn't, there wasn't a special. There wasn't one. their own thing. Exactly, yeah. it was just like oh, take bits and pieces and go to linear with yeah. it. But like here, it's like. 
You have so many clients spending millions of dollars with us. 92% of brands who spend with Barstool Sports repeat. Yeah, that's amazing stats. Tell me, tell me where that exists, and that it's because it works, right? Because like when you have these smaller brands that spend a lot of money with you, it's clear and obvious. It's because you're moving product for them. Yeah, and they can they they can calculate the investment with you yields x amount of dollars moved. Yeah, because they're not spending with anybody else. Right. That's, and that's right. The, that's the reality. That's the secret sauce. That's the secret sauce with Barcelona. Um, talk. Let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about brand safety, Burger. You sure. and I love to talk about brand safety. Yeah. So we don't so. butt heads over brand safety, right? We're we're, we're, we're on the same team. We're, on the same we're team. a family. Okay. We're, we're we're a family of brand safety. Yeah. I sometimes think that brand safety is bullshit, which I know you won't want me to say here, but that's fine. The fact that I think. I think you said it best, actually, which is so in the ad for anybody listening to this, like in the ad business, brand safety gets is a phrase that just gets thrown around a lot. And I think that brand safety means, you know, am I comfortable putting my brand adjacent to your brand like that? The really at the end of the day is like, am I comfortable putting in paying to yep. put myself next to you or yep. brand X next to brand Y. And then, and it, what you've really educated me on is that the, the whole notion of brand safety is look, brands don't want to be around violence. Brands don't want to be around bad news. Brands don't want to be around tragedy. Brands don't want to be around catastrophe. Some brands are family friendly. They don't want to be around swearing. Yep. We struggle because I also, where I get critical of brand safety is I feel like people lob the word brand safety when it's just laziness. And it's like, look, I don't want to fight that hard to advertise with you. So what do you think about brand safety? Look, brand safety is not bullshit. It's right to the camera. Speak right to the camera on that. (laughs) Um, Reality is, look, different strokes for different folks. Like at the end of the day, it's like you have to know who your core client is and what the value you bring to your client, right? Like in order for us to scale this business efficiently Mm -hmm. and effectively and to the numbers in which you are asking of me for the future. I am asking you for those numbers. For big numbers in the future and and same with Penn, right? Like we want to do this for Penn, right? The reality is like we have to be hyper aware of what brand safety is mm-hmm. and what brand safety means to a client, yep. right? Like, you know, you go like my my expertise and my biggest client in life is Coca-Cola. Right? Yep. There, when you look at Coca-Cola, you think polar bears yep. from Super Bowl commercials and things like yep. that, right? It's like a family oriented brand, yep. right? It's like, so I... I went through this at College Humor. It's like, how is Coca? How are we going to make Coca Cola feel right that they're by them giving us dollars, we're putting them in a very safe place in which their average consumer at home, which is family, is going to have a positive is going to have a positive perception of what they what they just watched, mm-hmm. right? And so, what we have to do is, I, I think it's it's pretty simple for the most part, but it's it's harder to actually get out into like yeah. an actual plan, but yeah. simple to think about, right? It's like you put all your content in a bucket that we know is not brand safe. That's bucket A, and we don't push that on brand safe advertisers. And then bucket B, bucket B is somewhere in the middle yeah. of like it can fall either way. But because we film most stuff ahead of time, we can edit out. Yeah, we have protocols actually, and we have protocols. Measures. It's not live yeah. TV that if yeah. someone says a swear word, yeah. like oh my god, like the brand. Yeah, gonna, there's no hot mic. Yeah. There's yeah. no hot mic, right? And then there's like C, which is like completely home run. Safe. Yeah, yeah, it's like home run, no problem. And then you leverage tools like paid social and things like that and put it in the world with adjacent audiences and things like that. That makes sense. Like that's how you can hit a home run with brand safe content, right? It's like you find these suitable 
play uh, content, right? Mm-hmm. And then you pair the content with the actual distribution yep. that you know is also brand safe because the, the stuff that's running on Facebook and Instagram and things like that has to go through those filters as well. Right. That's and so right. like, so advertisers are comfortable paying, you know, being on Facebook and Instagram and things yep. like that. So it goes, because it goes through that filter. Okay, got Right? It. So yep. I think for us, it's about looking at the buckets and then also figuring out the distribution. Yeah, Because once right. you figure out that distribution... It'll be it'll be a home run at okay, least for everybody for, for for everybody. Yep. Right, and then we can most importantly we can still do the things we want to do. Like it's okay. We're not going to yeah. turn our whole business brand safe. We're all not going to allow that, right? We get that, right? But like, there's going to be a good a good amount of stuff within Barstool Sports. I that think can be most of Barstool's stuff is brand safe. So I think there's like this. I, I'm interested in this conversation of like what is brand safety, right? Like, and it's funny because. I'm with you. I think, you know, I think 85% of our stuff is is pretty brand safe. I agree. I think 15% of it is like the Kevin Clancy factor of like, he just is going to go off the rails fairly regularly and <laughs> that's fine. Dave gets in a rant every once in a while or gets caught up in a news story. That's fine. And then sometimes everybody else just descends into madness. For, but for the most part, like there's a lot of integrity with how we make our co- content. There's a lot yep. of thought. We want to be sure it has appeal to the audience. I think the other thing about about brand safety that we have to do a better job of is, you know, to your point on the renewals, that 92% of the brands that work with us renew is an insane stat. I also want to show, like, that fans who watch our content have a more positive Absolutely. impression of a brand by virtue of their endorsement. Yeah. So you're endorsing Alex and Jordan and Mean Girls, Sometimes they talk about sex. Sometimes they talk about relationships. Sometimes they talk about their bodies. But by virtue of advertising with them, Absolutely. there's an affinity and a halo, a positive halo effect. And I think we have to do a better job. And by the way, that. it's not just that 92% of our advertisers are actually coming back. I mean, you said this yep. different, right? Like 27 per, out of that, we're getting a 27% increase. Right. They're coming year back over and spending They're not more. just spending the same exact money. They're right. like, okay, we now we know this is working. Yeah. Let's double down yeah, right. on this, spend more money. Yeah. And that's how we're able to actually grow a business, yeah. right? Because like we're showing brands that we can move product and we actually care about. Yeah, it. that's right. Right? That's like right. that's that's huge. That's great. Um, who's your favorite person here? <sighs> I've I love Alex Bennett. Like I really Oh, really? I You're a big Alex Bennett guy? Huge. Like I, I just talk to her and she's like so nice. Yeah, she's like Oklahoma. I see her, I see yeah. her all the time and like she's so like warm and like that's- I don't know. Like I never thought that would be like Someone like I thought it'd be someone from a business side, whatever. Yeah. Like every time I see her, it's just like it's just warmth. Oh, that's and nice. I, and like I've turned my wife into a Mean Girl podcast. Like, well, fan. there you go. Like my wife is like lawyer conservative, and like okay, she t- like she's like shut this shit off like immediately. Like I had it on. <laughs> Why she's, are you like, wasting your she's, time? Like, shut this shit off, and then she like hit a topic that my that like my wife cared about. She's like. This is interesting. I was like, That's yes. Great. I, was Here like, we go. I was like, we're converting. Click, you. download, exact, subscribe, exact, rate, it, review. It, yeah. it, exactly. This is burger. Yeah. Okay. And there's some great, at the end of the day, look, I've met some tremendous people here. There's so many good people. Like, I love working with every single person. Mm-hmm. Like, having you as a mentor and a boss is like, I've wanted this forever since the day I've met you. That's awesome. Um, and that's why I like, did everything possible to I know, get back I'm, here. I'm learning a lot from you, Burger. I talk about you a lot at home. It's so funny. And I talk, I talk. I'm like, my, a, I'm a Burger My fan. mom like watches, watches this. She's going to watch this she's, right now? No, not What's only she is she going to watch this, but like she watches this every week now. She's like, I love your boss. She's great. Oh, I was that's like, so nice. Yeah, she's like. Does she, she live in Jersey? Me. Yeah, Jersey. Yeah. 
Um, Does everybody live in Jersey? Does your everyone. sister live in Jersey? Sister lives in Jersey. In She's Jersey. in the industry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like whole, all the Burger family lives in Jersey. That, and we're we all go. salespeople. Obviously. We're all salespeople. And sitting at dinner mm-hmm. is like the most, because I t- obviously we I talk. Yeah. Like no one can get a word in it. They're, I bet. Who's the loudest? Like where are you? My mom this? and sister are the loudest. Really? They're so. Are you I the sit, baby? I sit, I'm the baby. Yeah. I sit quiet at dinner. Okay. I can't get a word in at okay. dinner in my own house. Is your wife like, oh my God. And my wife's like the like... quiet conservative lawyer who like literally. <laughs> like how'd I end up here? Like I, I just remember taking her to our first family dinner. She's like, what the fuck did I just get myself into <laughs> with this family? Like she couldn't say a word. That's great. Because my mom's the kind of person. Like that, the we are the burgers. My mom sure. literally is the kind of person that asks my wife a question the first time she meets her and then doesn't let her answer yeah, the question. Yeah, she's like, I don't even care. Because she's yeah. like, I don't care. I'm just going to keep talking about what you do. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, tell people what's next. What's next for our sales team? So look, we have to get after it. We have an aggressive number for the upfront. Yep. We have to be out with our clients. Yeah. Like every client this is that's my listening. Favorite. This is another like, burger thing I like. I will, like if there's a client that's listening that should be working with Barstool and has not heard from a Barstool rep, Come to me directly. Or just DM me. Literally DM me. Come to me directly. Only because like I told our team, the expectation is like you're everywhere. Yeah. You have your set account list. And if you are not talking to those accounts, it's a problem. Yeah. So that's what's next. The relationship building of like making brands feel comfortable with A, who's at Barstool. Yeah. And then next will be the content that comes along with Barstool. That's great. I think that's like the immediate next step here. That's great. And what do you see happening in the industry? Like the Warner salespeople are all getting laid off. Like, what do you see happening? Disney, Is it a wasteland? Warner Media. Like, it, it's going to be the next... There's going to be turbulence in the industry yeah. the next, like, three to six months, in my opinion, if not longer, right? Which is why, like, I, don't, I always want to take things back to why Barstool, but, like, why Barstools? Because when thinking about it, it's like, we move product. Yes. And, like, we we'll should, be, we should yeah. be the last one cut from a media yeah. plan because if you're a media buyer, you literally should be... Caring about Barstool. moving product. And if you care about moving product, you should care about top of funnel, bottom of funnel, because you can get both from Barstool. Yep. Therefore, in a time like this where there's turbulence, you give your money to Barstool. Yeah, because it works. Because you know it, we're going to work. Yeah. And that's like my ultimate plea yep. to, to advertisers, right? It's like, yep. think about that when you're trying to cut $5 million from your budget and yep. say, I still need to figure out the gap for $5 million. All right, give Barstool money here yep. and let's figure out how we're going to move product because then you can go to your boss and be like, we move product by also trimming $5 million of budget. Thank you, Matt Berger. That was great. I loved it. Oh, should we start this show? Yeah, I'm down. Just buying a car in Carvana first. Oh, for real? Yeah, it's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do is answer a few questions. Ooh, that's helpful. And now just customizing my down and monthly payments. Ooh, that's a very fair deal. Yep. Boom. Just bought a car. And you get to take me to the Carvana vending machine in a couple days to pick it up. Ooh. I'm kind of busy. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. We talked at the top of the episode about presentation, how the upfront is a huge presentation for us. We will round this episode out with uh, our speech, uh, with Dave and my speech from the upfront, as well as some tips on presentation and public speaking. Before that, though, let's do Q&A. So the first Q&A is, what differentiates a topic needing to be addressed in a meeting in a conversational type format versus a formal presentation? What makes you decide you need to stand up and separate yourself from the group and present, quote unquote, um, versus presenting an idea and creating a more collaborative conversation around the topic. 
All right, this is a great question. I always think it's so awkward to get up and present to people. I feel like that's something men do, less so women. I always felt so awkward. I'd be like, uh, my, my skirt's a little bit too short and it's just awkward to stand while everybody's sitting around. So I'm more in favor, if you wanna get something done, if you're working with a set of peers, if you're working inside of your company with people you're familiar with, I think the best way to do things is to have, you know, a very focused conversation, but a collaborative conversation that happens around a table or across a room. Now that said, there are instances where you need to present, right? When I go see the pen board, sometimes it's collaborative conversation, but it has a degree of formality. I don't know these people that well. They certainly don't know me. And so I want to put on a good show and a good face by giving a more formal presentation where, you know, I would use slides or I would have a very uh, organized talk track. I I think the situation on when to be most formal is really dictated by how familiar you are with the people you're talking to. The less familiar you are, the more formal you should be. I don't think you necessarily need to stand up and present. Like I can remember standing up in the front of a room. I had this one agency pitch where I was standing up in the front of the room and I had ordered this bright orange skirt off of eBay. And it was Dree Van Noten, Dree Van Noten, Dree's Van Noten. I can't, I don't really know how to pronounce it, but you know, some hoity toity agency exec was like, who makes your skirt? And I said, I was like, oh, it's Dries Van Noten or something. And I clearly pronounced it wrong. It also was clearly counterfeit and like made in China wasn't an authentic skirt, but I felt so stupid after I did that. The thing also didn't fit totally right, which just added to kind of the debacle. But if you are not familiar, if you're asking people for money, or if the decorum in the room or the culture, the attitude in the room is kind of formal, then it's best to either stand up and present and use slides, or you can sit down and present and use slides, but meet the moment with the formality it deserves. Having a conversation with your peers to solve a problem, I think a presentation format there doesn't make any sense. It's actually kind of off-putting. But if you're asking for money, if you're trying to convince people to invest in something, if you're looking to plead a case, or you're with a bunch of people you don't know, then it's perfectly appropriate to stand and present. All right. Second question is, how do you encourage collaboration in a meeting? Sometimes I go up to present and ask questions and everyone just stares at me. That's annoying and kind of awkward. Um, One thing I would do to create collaboration in a meeting is if you're the leader of the meeting or if you have seniority, I think it's great to just ask a question and then say, hey, let's go around the room and give some feedback on the question or, you know, give a simple answer to the question. Sometimes that exists like an icebreaker. You have to be careful about your tone of voice. You can't seem punitive. I think it's sometimes very hard when people present and their tone of voice or their attitude is kind of designed to make everyone feel stupid. I think when people do that, um, men do that in particular, I, I find. It just kind of shuts everybody up and it makes everybody feel silent. So I think so long as you go into the presentation or you go into the conversation and you're like, hey, we're here to talk about X. Um, my first big question just to open things up is, you know, what does everybody think the biggest problem is around X? Or what does everyone think the biggest opportunity is around X? Or what's an experience you've had here that, 
you know, really showcases what we need to change or how we need to grow or what we need to do. Now, that last piece is a little long winded. So you got to be sure you allow for enough time and you kind of calculate that when you're thinking about the icebreaker question. But I think by starting with a question and then you can call on people to start to answer, people typically fast follow. Um, but you have to invite the collaboration, you have to model the collaboration, and you have to demonstrate, I think, a tone of voice and an inclination of, hey, we're, we're collaborating with one another. We're talking openly with one another. This is a safe, you know, non-punitive, non-judgmental conversation. And so long as you set that up, I think people will readily follow. Okay. So last question is, what's the best way to start a meeting or presentation? Should I make a joke, small talk, or just get right to the point? Ooh, I hate small talk. I mean, I just generally hate small talk. Sometimes I go into a meeting and I'm like, oh God, I got to ask people how their weekends were. And it's like, it's not that I don't care how people's weekends were. I just want to make the most of my time at work. And I'm excited and interested and ready to talk about work. And so I think when you're opening a meeting, if you don't know the people there, the first best thing to do is introduce yourself. So you're like, hey, I'm Erica. This is, you know, this is what I do for my day job. This is what I'm interested in. And this is why I'm excited for us to have this conversation. Um, sometimes a joke works. I tend to find jokes kind of cheesy. I, I think it's often better to be a little bit self-deprecating self or to call out something that's like obviously awkward in the room. Um, you know, everybody, for example, when a presentation's after lunch, everyone's like, ha, 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 like, I'm the guy after lunch. Like you can make the cheesy sales guy joke, but I, I honestly think the best thing to do is just get pretty straight to the point. Introduce yourself, say why you're qualified to have this conversation, um, and then go ahead and make your pitch or go ahead and make your state your case. And that will get you into the meat of what what you're there and what everyone else is there to talk about. I also feel like that kind of helps you get over the nerves. Like when I'm getting ready for a presentation, I only memorize the first three things that I'm going to say. I'm like, okay, I remember the first three things I'm going to say. And then you kind of like get over being nervous and you get over being worried about how you're going to be received and you can get right into the guts of a conversation. So I think the best fastest route to getting into the guts of the conversation is the best way to approach a meeting. And it's different for every person. And you've got to figure out what the right, what the right approach is for you. Shall I take your order or do you need a minute? Yes, I'll be ready. Just buying a car on Carvana. What? It's super convenient. I already got pre-qualified in two minutes. All I had to do was answer a few questions. What? That's handy. Yeah. Now I'm customizing my down and monthly payments. What? That's an exquisite deal. And just like that, Carvana's delivering my car in a couple days. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry, I'll have the burrito. Visit Carvana.com to finance your next car. Financing subject to credit approval. Delivery fees may apply. Okay, so before we let you go, we're going to talk a little bit about presentation skills and what I've learned it takes to make a great presentation. I'm not always great at presentation. I think I'm kind of long-winded. I'm rambly, like my ADD kicks in halfway through. And then I'm like, what are we talking about? Or I get like super passionate and excited. And I just want to talk about what I'm passionate and excited about. So those are my flaws in presenting. I also feel like another flaw that I have is like, I'm trying to do too much and I don't have the time to study or focus or prepare and rehearse the way I'd like to. 
um, our upfront was last night and I really started to work on my speech like Tuesday morning. Haven't even seen it, you know, didn't see it come together until yesterday morning. Like that's probably not the best. So whenever possible, I think the good thing to understand in going into a presentation is what are you good at? You know, what I'm good at is I'm so passionate about what I'm talking about. I'm experienced. I have I have things to share. I have lessons I've learned. I have a lot of ideas. Um, I think I'm a good listener. I am convincing uh, when I'm passionate about what I'm talking about. Those are my strengths. I just told you what my weaknesses are. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses in a presentation. So really work to what your strengths are and also be mindful of your weaknesses. I tend to talk too much, so I'm like, I can only ever say three things. That's just how I roll in a presentation. Other things that I think you can do in terms of tips for a great presentation is know your strengths and weaknesses, which we just covered, to know the materials on the slide. Inevitably, you are going to be in a meeting with some douchebag who's like, I'm going to make you look dumb on stage. It always happens. Never fail. You're going to be in a meeting with somebody who's like, I'm going to get you and I'm going to make you look dumb. You have to know the information on your slides inside and out. Don't have a bunch of numbers on there that you don't understand. Don't have a bunch of statements on your slides that don't mean anything. Like basically don't create opportunities for people to poke holes in what you're saying. I think it's really important as a third tip to organize what you're talking about. Most people can't remember more than three things is my experience. So have three things you want to say. You could say them differently. You can say them in different order, but really get to three main points that you want to convey. I also think it's really important. People like to know where they are in a presentation. Most everyone has ADD or they're bored or they're tired, or they're hungover, or they're itching to get to their next meeting, or they're starving for lunch. So setting up a presentation of, here's what I'm going to talk about, then you talk about it, and then you're like, that's what I just talked about. It helps people understand where they are, and I think it helps people be more patient with you. The, so the other thing I would say is I remember I had a big presentation the first time I ever did the Yahoo sales conference. It was like this huge, huge, huge production. Um, and I had a presentation on stage and I, I had kind of created this like way too long preamble before I was getting to my points. But the other thing I did is I kind of like shifted foot to foot to foot to foot. I was like nervous. It was like a nervous tick. And I remember getting off stage and Carol Bartz was like, Jesus, you like didn't stop moving your feet the entire fucking time. I literally think she said just that. And I was kind of gutted and like decimated But then I was like, you know what? She's totally right. I had a nervous gesture, which was moving from foot to foot to foot to foot. You probably have nervous gestures too. So understand what your nervous gesture is and try to get past it. Um, I try to hang on to something so I don't wiggle around so much. You may have other things, but understand, you know, I think one of the great things is to, you know, if you're giving a a presentation and it's videotaped, watch it to see what annoys you about how you present and study it so that you can get better. Um, Let your personality come through. It's okay to have personality. It's okay to say things your way. If you have an accent, embrace it. If you have a quirky personality, let it show through. People don't want robots. Watching a robot is boring. Listening to a robot is boring. 
People like people with character. People like authenticity. That was a huge, huge theme for us last night in our upfront. So let your authenticity, let your personality show through. I think the last thing is know your audience. If if you're on stage or you're giving a presentation or you're in a boardroom and you're just talking to hear yourself speak, it's the fastest way to lose an audience. So keep in mind what the people are in the room for, what they want to get out of it, what their what their questions are, what their questions are, what are they skeptical about, and make sure that you're answering all those points and you're packaging it in a way that is respectful of the listener's time. Like nobody cares about you, nobody cares about your sales pitch. All they care about is how they can turn it into something that works for them. So be in service of the listener. And then I think the last thing when you give a presentation is everybody's watching you before you start. So make sure you have a pen, make sure you have a notebook. If someone gives you a provocative thought or gives you a suggestion, have the respect to write it down. The second thing is make fucking sure your computer works. Like make sure you know how to present on Microsoft Teams or Google, you know, Google Meet or Zoom. Like understand the presentation feature. Make sure if it's a virtual presentation that your background is organized and your dog isn't barking. If it's an in-the-person presentation, make sure you're there early so that you have all of your tech set up. Nothing discredits you in a presentation more than having the technology not work or watching you get nervous and sweaty and, and fumbling around to get your presentation to start. You will exude confidence. You will exude expertise. People will be more likely to believe you and listen to what you have to say if you look credible getting into your presentation and getting out of your presentation. So just keep that in mind. And those are some tips. So last up, we're going to share with you what we presented at the upfront. Uh, We have a bunch of huge announcements, some awesome stuff we're working on. Um, some stuff I'm really particularly proud of. So we'll have a snippet of what we shared last night at Webster Hall. And then we have a longer vlog coming out, which shows the making of our upfront. So how it all came together. So that'll come out in the next week or so. When I think about brand advertising, I really think about three things. One, brand advertisers or even performance advertisers, you want reach. You want people to know that you exist. The second thing you want is you want relevance. People are not, contrary to what you think, sitting around waiting for your product. You want people to have a reason to care about what you're trying to sell them. And then finally, you want conversion. You want people to buy. If people do not buy your product, you don't have jobs, and frankly, we don't have jobs either. What we can do different and better than anybody else is all three of those things. There's very few publishers, I actually can't think of one, that can deliver you reach, that can deliver you relevance, and that can deliver you conversion. And we do it with authenticity. And that's what makes Barstool Sports so different, is that authenticity always wins. This is a very, very special company. It's a unique company. It's a company that doesn't conform. It's a company that does its thing its own way. You can ask the Penn Penn Entertainment people about that. Um, And it's a company that's misunderstood. And what my hope is tonight is that you can understand us a little better. Because the people who do understand us are our fans. They love us. They follow us. They look to us. They watch us. They turn to us. They escape in us. 
And most importantly, they trust us. And so the biggest thing I would say tonight is why should you, you know, why should you buy Barstool Sports? Why should you partner with us? It's really, really simple. We understand internet culture. Everything is internet culture right now. We understand the internet in a way that no one else does. And we make content for the internet in a way that no one else can. We have the best talent. I put our talent up against anybody else on the planet. We start trends. We create conversations. We know how to connect, connect with millennials and Gen Z, and we do so at scale. So far this year, we have 27 billion video views on original content. We're a top five publisher on TikTok. People trust our voice, and when our talent, male or female, endorses something, our fans buy that. And that is the reason that we move your product. There is no one as creative as these people. There is no one who works harder than the people inside of this company. And they want to move your product. And my only ask tonight is that you give them a chance. We love our fans. We love our personalities. And we love our partners. And we want the opportunity to put all of that to work for you. So thank you for being here. It's no accident. If you look around media right now, we have the most influential people there are. And even if an influential person isn't with us, half the time they started with us. We are the place where like, the internet is basically talent is born from. They're kind of the first digital media company at this point, 20 years, when I started and it's like, hey, we're a blog. People, I don't know what a blog is. We've been doing it for so long. It's, if you're a buyer, an ad agency, whatever it may be, it's the risk reward. It's like Barcelona's edgy, Barcelona's this, Barcelona's that. We don't lose advertisers. And yeah, there may be some rocky days, but in the end, our audience always wins because they know us, they know our culture, they know our core, and they've been with us for two decades. So we're not slowing down, we're still growing. I remember I did a bunch of interviews like, where do you want Barcelona to be? This is probably 10 years ago. And at the time, I'm like, I kind of envisioned it as an SNL. Like upcoming comedians, the first thing someone in college, like, I want to work there. We are there. Like our hardest part is sifting through the talent to find it. But we are the spot that young, influential comedians want to be. And we continue to grow. Um, and we need your support. And again, the fact that all these people are here shows how bad they want to work for you. Um, coming up with the ideas, the concepts, I mean, KB getting soaked, things like that. That can only come from crazy people's brains. And we have cornered the market on crazy, creative people. So uh, thank you guys all for coming and hopefully another 20 years. Thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who gave a rating and review. Um, thank you to all the partners who came to our upfront. And most importantly, just a huge thank you to Berger and all of the people that worked to make it such a success and who are going to carry our story out into the world. So just thanks to everyone for that. And we'll see you back here next week. <laughs>